Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Hawk Takes Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Boyson of the Hockey Writers on Twitter at Greg Boyson. Hawk Takes Podcast has its own Facebook page. You can check it out, like us there to get, be caught up on all of our updates. You can check out all my Blackhawks AHL NHL coverage over at thehockeywriters.com. I'm also a uh, regional scout for the St. Cloud Blizzard of the North American Hockey League and the trivia producer and host every Tuesday and Wednesday night. Thank you for joining me on this Thursday afternoon. I hope if you celebrated Christmas these last couple days, I hope it was a good one. If you're celebrating Hanukkah or any of the other holidays that happen around this time of year, I hope it is an enjoyable one for you as well. As we head into the final week and the final Hawk Takes podcast of 2019, um, well, we're just going to just jump right into it. The big news of today, usually we start with a, a recap of the week, but um, just before I hit the record button here. The Blackhawks released a big medical update. Um, of course, they wait to the day after Christmas where there's no games going on. Kind of a good way to sneak some stuff out. Um, we got the medical updates on Brendan Saad, who was hurt earlier this week. He is going to be out for approximately three more weeks with a right ankle injury. So we'll see if they move him over to long-term IR to get the salary cap relief if he's already missed uh, about a week. And then, um, so retroactively, that should be right around the time frame. Calvin DeHaan is going under, uh, will undergo surgery tomorrow on his right shoulder. His season is over. Um, it's kind of how we felt when that injury happened last week. Uh, that's the same surgery he had an operation on during the off season that caused him to miss the first few weeks of the season this year. So that's obviously an issue. His future, um, cloudy at best, we'll say, but he's definitely gone for the rest of the year, which is really too bad. He was, when he was on the ice, he was really good for the Blackhawks. Um, and then the big story, Brent Seabrook, he is going to go under, undergo surgery on his right shoulder tomorrow and then in early january he's going to have surgery on his right hip and then early february he's going to have surgery on his left hip so his season is over and he has been moved to long-term ir both him and dahan today sort of really gets the feeling that we've seen brent seabrook play his last game in a blackhawks uniform um this it kind of started with he was a healthy scratch last week, didn't make the trip out uh, for the the Hawks two road games. Um, so you know it. Then all of a sudden they were like, oh no, he's uh, he's not. He you know he was a healthy scratch against Minnesota. It was on Sunday, and then didn't make the trip out to Winnipeg and, and Denver, and but then he was hurt all of a sudden. Now he's got to have all this surgery. Um, it just kind of seems with that contract and everything falling apart that they're just—I don't know. Not saying he won't ever play again, but just—it just doesn't feel like he's going to. Like this is the way the Blackhawks get out of their their contract with him. They, you know, things are breaking down on Seabrook. These obviously these injuries are not faked. That's not you know there's not surprising the wear and tear he's put on his body the last 15 years or so um so we'll see what happens if this is the end of the run it's been a hell of a run um you know i've been just as hard as anybody on brent seabrook the last couple of years um more so the fact that he was still put in big time situations when he obviously can't handle it um you know but these last, you know, two and a half seasons have been painful to watch. They because those first decade or so he was here was so great. For the longest time, Brent Seabrook was about as good as you're going to get when it comes to an NHL defenseman. I mean, he was he had it all. 
He was big. He was physical. He was a leader. He can throw in some offense when needed to be. You know, he was there for every big moment of this franchise in the last decade plus. Um, so, you know, he's one of the greatest to ever play the game at his position for this franchise. And that's saying a lot when you consider <clears throat> how many great defensemen have worn the Blackhawk sweater over this over the years. You know, you got guys like Chelios, guys like Palat, Magnuson, Wilson. Uh, the list goes on and on of some of the greats that have played, and he's right there with those guys. Mount Rushmore of Chicago Blackhawks defensemen will have his number retired at some point. Just as important part of the three Stanley Cups as anybody else. They don't win those three Stanley Cups without Brent Seabrook. That's There's no doubt about that. So if this is the end for Seabs, you know, it's been great. And regardless, wish him a speedy recovery with all this uh, he's dealing with right now. And um, that's... Uh, that's the update we got today. So good luck to Siebes, Dahan. Hopefully we'll see Saad back here in a, in a couple of weeks. He's playing his best hockey of the season. And then we'll get into our uh, our weekly recap. The week started. Um, as so many weeks have been this season, you start to feel okay. They put together a couple solid games, and then they, they crap the bed, and then you, you're right back and thinking this team is garbage. So the week started off strong, though. Uh, game in Winnipeg on last Thursday, and uh, the Blackhawks kind of dominated this one. Kane chasing down a loose one, looking to center, and Nylander, he scores! Alex Nylander, a perfect setup from Patrick Kane, and the first minute of the game sees the Blackhawks jump into the lead. That highlight, courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago. Pat Foley on the call, of course. That was Alex Nylander scoring just 59 seconds in. A great pass by Nylander. A great pass by Kane. Great shot by Nylander. Dylan Strom gets the secondary sits. Put the Blackhawks up one to nothing. Um, from there, they Dominic Kublik scored in the opening minute of the third period, his ninth of the year. A goal from Patrick, or uh, an assist from Patrick Kane. Um, then the Hawks scored on the power play. Eric Gustafson, his fourth of the season. From uh, guess who? Patrick Kane, and then Kane finished off his four-point night with a late goal. Uh, it was three to one, four to one at that point. Nylander and Boquist with the assists on that play. Hawks were outshot 37-32. They won 52% of the faceoffs. They went one for two on the power play, two for two on the PK. Robin Leonard, great again, 36 saves. Uh, that was the game Saad was injured, took a hit from Lucas Siebsa, a defenseman from the Jets. Uh, he'll be out, as we mentioned, at least three more weeks, as the medical update gave today. Um, the Blackhawks kind of, you they've they've been really good on the second half of day of games and back-to-back -back days. They're 6-1 now uh, on the second night of back-to-back -back games. So, you know, take that for whatever it's worth. And, of course, we mentioned Brent Seabrook was not there. He didn't travel for this road trip as his season, as we now learned, is over. The um, Saturday night, the Hawks were in Denver to take on the Colorado Avalanche for the final time this season, thankfully, because the Avalanche have pretty much just uh, toyed with the Blackhawks. Their previous three meetings slapped them around, skated all around them. Blackhawks got a little bit of revenge. They uh, fell behind 3-1. to one. They were down 3-1 to one with less than half a period to play and somehow stormed back to score the last four goals of the game and steal a 5-3 to three victory. Gilbert's launch out. Always hoping for a tip. He got it from Kubelik. He just missed. Now it's Tays for Kane. Then Kubelik, he scores! The pass was intended for Patrick Kane, I think, but it went right to Dominic Kubelik. Bang! The rookie into double digits. His team into the lead. That was another highlight courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago. That time it was Dominic Kubelik, his second goal in his many games. That one put the Blackhawks up 4-3. to three. 
Jonathan Taves started the scoring with a goal 21 seconds into the second period with Patrick Kane getting the assist. Kane continued his huge weekend, uh, picked up his 20th goal um, that started the comeback. They were down 3-1 to one with less than nine minutes to play, and Kane got his 20th goal of the year with Kubelik and Taves getting the assists that started the comeback. 28 seconds later, Kirby Dock made a great play. Scored his sixth goal of the season. Eric Gustafson with the setup at Ryan Carpenter. That tied the game. Then uh, less than five minutes later, it was Kubelik, the highlight we just heard, his 10th goal of the season. Jonathan Taves, Dennis Gilbert uh, with the assists. And Connor Murphy added an assurance goal in the final minute with David Camp picking up his fourth assist on Murphy's third goal of the season. The Blackhawks actually outshot somebody, 32-31. They won 56% of the draws. They went 0 for 3 on the face uh, on the power play and 3 for 3 on the PK. Uh, Robin Leonard made back-to-back starts, which is kind of rare. Uh, it's usually been every others between him and Crawford, but uh, he made 28 saves. Uh, this was this was definitely Kirby Doc's best game of his pro career. Uh, his speed was great. He was very strong on his stick. He had great puck protection. Was using his body well to fend off defenders. Uh, and then he showed his ridiculous reach um, with uh, that goal he scored. Uh, Gustafson made a cross-eyes pass a few feet ahead of him, but with that reach, he was able to corral it and then somehow still uh, full, fully extended, get his shot off up under the crossbar. It was just a great play. And um, so he, the improvement is the progression, the improvement. We're seeing it with Doc, and, you know, he's he's going to be here for the rest of the year and hopefully for a long, long time. Uh, as I mentioned, the Hawks got four goals in seven minutes, 59 seconds to win. <clears throat> the Blackhawks... Heading into this game, were 0-14-0 and trailing after two periods, and they were the first team in the uh, they were the last team in the league to not earn a point yet this season when trailing after two periods. Um, and they have something about the first minute of a period. Um, you know, they always say that goals in the first and last minute of periods tend to to be more of a gut punch to your opponent. The Blackhawks, uh, after that game, they had four goals in the first minute of a period within the last five games. Uh, two in Winnipeg, one in Denver, um, and I believe it was the previous game um, against Minnesota as well. They had one in the first minute of the period. So that's uh, they had another early goal uh, on Monday night's embarrassment. Uh, well, it wasn't the first minute of the period, but um, three to one, uh, about three and a half minutes into the game against the New Jersey Devils on Monday, uh, Zach Smith put the Blackhawks up one to nothing. Back to Another highlight from NBC Sports Chicago. That was Zach Smith's second goal of the season. David Camp, Matthew Highmore with the assists. Uh, that was Highmore's first NHL assist. He did pick up a couple of goals when he was with the team at the end of the 2016-17 season. Or was it 17-18? It was 17-18, my mistake. Um, this was just an ugly game. <clears throat> The Hawks were, they ended up losing 7-1. to They gave up seven straight goals after the Smith goal. Um, it was just bad. Everything was bad. Uh, just one of those games where you just you just watch it and, and go, how is this even possible? You, you know, one of those games where you're like, just fire everybody. It just, this team is no no life, gutless. Just, ugh, get time, time to start it over. And it's just amazing how they could look so awful against one of the worst teams in the league, one of the few teams that has few fewer points than they do, that that has been 
couldn't score goals to help their lives coming into this game, and then they they roll you over like they're the 1985 Edmonton Oilers. It's it's amazing. Hawks were outshot 33-44. They won 48% of the faceoffs. They went 0 for 7 on the power play, 3 for 3 on the penalty kill. Corey Crawford started the game, was pulled after giving up four goals on 20 shots, um, kind of made a little motion to the bench, like either he knew it was coming or saying, just get me, get me the hell out of here. You can understand his frustration playing behind this defense all season. Leonard, Leonard came in, re- relieved him. He gave up three goals on 24 shots. Adam Boquist was injured early in the game, did not return, looked like a shoulder injury. Um, you know, and the, the strange thing was is, is he gets hurt early in the period, and then nobody on the television broadcast says anything. Until the very end of the period, it took them well over 30 minutes to figure out that their top prospect defenseman hasn't been playing. And it's not like that it wasn't out there. It was all over Twitter immediately. But meanwhile, we got to listen to the Edzo sing happy birthday to Pat Foley and talk about his crappy book again. And, and all this garbage between these two buffoons. And they're not telling you that... that Adam Boquist is hurt. And all of a sudden, at the end of the period, oh, I haven't seen Adam Boquist on the bench for a while. Well, no kidding. Don't you have spotters? Doesn't anybody in the press box have a Twitter account open that could say, hey, guys, he's not out there. Maybe update your viewing audience. You know, maybe this is a different day and age where, you know, most people probably follow along with their Twitter account. But there's still, you got to mention that. That's, I don't know. It bugged me. It bugged me. But, um, you know, I love all the things that you can be irritated by this season, especially that night that's probably low on the list. There really hasn't been much of an update on Adam Boquist since then. He wasn't included in today's update, so hopefully things will be okay. Um, but he's going to be playing a lot now with Dahan and Seabrook, so whenever he is fully healthy, he'll be... Uh, He'll be a big part of the defense going forward, as he should be. He and Dennis Gilbert will be getting a lot of playing time. Uh, John Quinville made his Blackhawks debut versus his <coughs> former team. Uh, did draw a penalty in that game. Uh, he's uh, That's what he does. He's a very energetic player and, and does, um, you know, does the, the little things on the ice, kind of an Andrew Shaw-type player, probably a better skater. Um, but uh, he, he made his debut, and the guy he was traded for, John Hayden, scored a goal in that game, his first goal with the Devils. So John Hayden won the steel cage grudge match this time around. Devils, uh, we talk about goals in the first minute of periods. It was the Devils' turn to do it. They had a Goals in the first minute of the second period when P.K. Subban scored his first goal in 23 games, 51 seconds in, and then 18 seconds into the third period, Blake Coleman scored. There were 34 total penalties in the first period. For some reason, these two teams barely see each other, but they didn't care for each other. Um, And, uh, you know, Mark Lazarus of The Athletic does a fine job over there posted the scores from the last six games before Christmas break. It's not pretty. Um, With that loss, the Blackhawks have lost their last six games before Christmas um, by a total of 28-7. to So, yeah, maybe it seems like they got a little bit of a problem in the Blackhawks locker room of mentally checking out before Christmas break officially begins. Some positives. Um, one positive to look at is the penalty kill has been playing a lot better. Uh, if throughout the month of December, we still got a couple games left. But so far, up to this point, they've killed off 33 of 36 penalties um, in the month of December. And that has them up to 81.3%, which is 13th in the NHL. So they're in the top half. Much improved. Um, especially from last season, but even earlier in this season. Um, so the PK is getting better. 
you know, we'll see how that lasts with no Dahan and no Seabrook out there. Dahan was a big part of the PK for a lot of that. Um, so we also had uh, this week Alex Regula was prospect the Blackhawks picked up in the Brendan Perlini trade, defenseman for the London Knights. He did not make the final cut of the War- uh, Team USA World Junior rosters, which got started today. We'll uh, take a peek at that here in a few minutes. Um, so the Blackhawks have two players in the World Junior Tournament, Antti Sorella with Team Finland, and Michael Tepley is playing for the, ho- the home Czech Republic. Sorella uh, has two goals and five assists in the Finnish Elite League. He was part of Finland's under-18 team last year. Tepley is having a big year for the Winnipeg Ice in the Western Hockey League with 13 goals and 17 assists in 29 games. He also played um, in the World Junior Under-18 tournament last season. Uh, Blackhawks prospect Arthur Kamunov signed a two-year contract extension with Locomotive in the KHL. He has nine goals and six assists in 40 games this year. He leads the KHL in goals for players under the age of 22. He was selected uh, in the second round of the 2016 NHL entry draft by the Blackhawks and was one of the two picks acquired in the Tavo Teravainen trade. Uh, with the Hurricanes back in June of 2016. So uh, it's going to be at least two more years before we see him here in North America. Um, According to NHL.com, the Blackhawks have the 11th most favorable remaining schedule with their teams playing a uh, have 55.8 point percentage remaining on their schedule. So they have the 11th easiest Remaining schedule, not that it matters a whole lot uh, for what it's worth. Two teams fighting for a playoff spot, Tampa Bay and Florida, have the most favorable remaining schedules, while Detroit and Carolina have the toughest schedules from here on out. And then NBC made a bit of a ruckus when they released their top 10 players of the decade list and did not include one Patrick Kane. In fact, they had Patrick Kane listed 15th um, and even commented on his off-ice issues. That's, that's, that's garbage. Um, listen, NBC has made millions of dollars promoing Patrick Kane. He's been the face. They put him on their promos. They pimp their outdoor games with Patrick Kane. So don't give me this crap. I mean, the guy has three Stanley Cups. A Conn Smythe, a Hart Trophy, has the most points of any player in the decade, and you don't even put him on your top ten list. That's, I mean, I'm not a list guy. Lists are dumb. This is the reason why. But come on. You're the, you're, you're the network that broadcasts the league in, in this country, and you act like you've never even watched a game. You know, you, 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 put, you make Patrick Kane the center of your broadcast when you put the Blackhawks up there, and then you leave him off this list. It's just silly. Just silly. It doesn't mean anything. But you can put Eric Carlson as the third best player of this decade, and you're the the, the network that broadcasts this sport. You, it's f- to quote Leonard Kenny, fucking embarrassing. That's what that is. All right, moving on. Blackhawks this week. They're back in action tomorrow night when they host the New York Islanders. And then they're on the road Sunday at the Columbus Blue Jackets, the red-hot Columbus Blue Jackets all of a sudden, and they get to spend New Year's Eve in Calgary. So we'll see what that happens, how that goes. Those are the three games until we meet again next Thursday. Move on to what's going on around the NHL, kind of a slow news week with the holidays coming. But we'll take a peek at the standings real quick in the Central Division. We have the St. Louis Blues leading 54 points. That's the most points in the Western Conference. Colorado Avalanche are behind them with 49. And you have Winnipeg and Dallas at 44. Nashville at 42. And then Minnesota, 41. The Blackhawks with 36. 
Then in the Pacific Division, we have Arizona and Vegas, who are making a nice run, tied at 46 points. Edmonton hanging on at 44. Then you have Calgary, who we'll see on Tuesday at 43. Vancouver, 42. Then you have the Ducks, Sharks, and Kings all at 34 points. Out east, in the Atlantic Division, the Boston Bruins lead 53 points. They've kind of put a nice cushion. Toronto is up to second place with 44. Montreal, 42. Then you have Florida and Buffalo with 40. Tampa with, I'm sorry, Florida and Buffalo have 41. Tampa has 40. Ottawa with 36. Detroit, dead last, 21 points. And in the Metro Division, you got the Washington Capitals, 57 points, most in the league. The Islanders, who we'll see tomorrow night, 49. Philly with 47. Pittsburgh and Carolina, 46. The Blue Jackets making things interesting. They're up to 40 points. The Rangers, 38. And the Devils, who just beat the crap out of the Blackhawks, 29 points. If the playoffs were to start today in the Western Conference, you'd have the Blues, Avalanche, Jets in from the Central, the Coyotes, Golden Knights, Oilers in from the Pacific, and our two wildcard teams would be the Dallas Stars and the Calgary Flames. And out east, the Atlantic Division would have Boston, Toronto, Montreal, Metro would have the Capitals, Islanders, and Flyers, and our two wildcard teams would be the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Carolina Panthers. So no Tampa Bay, no Florida in the playoffs at this point. Pretty crazy, but a long way to go, and a lot of divisional hockey to be played before this is all said and done. So those playoff races, especially out east, are going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, going on from this point. Let's take a look at our scoring leaders as of December, uh, December 26th. David Pasternak leads the NHL with 28 goals. Jack Eichel and Austin Matthews are tied for second with 24. You have Alex Ovechkin with 23. Leon Dreisaitl with 22. In case you're wondering, Patrick Kane is tied for 10th with 20 goals. And he's tied with his old line mate, Artemi Panarin. Connor McDavid leads the league in assists with 41. Two ahead of his teammate, Leon Dreisaitl, has 39. John Carlson of the Capitals and Brad Marchant are tied with 35. And then Jonathan Huberdeau of the Panthers and Nathan McKinnon of the Avalanche are tied with 34 assists. Patrick Kane is tied for 11th in the league with 26 assists. And Connor McDavid leads all points, 62 points. His teammate, Leon Dreisaitl, right behind him with 61. Nathan McKinnon, third with 55. And then another pair of teammates, Marchant and Pasternak, are tied at 54. Patrick Kane currently ninth in the NHL in scoring with 46 points. And the uh, World Junior Championship started today in the Czech Republic. Uh, we had some games earlier today. Switzerland beat Kazakhstan 5-3. to The host team, Czech Republic, scored a big upset over Russia, 4-3. to Games going on live right now as we're recording this. Uh, Finland leads Sweden 2-1, to one, and as I'm watching it on my TV right now, Canada leads the United States 3-2. to two. U.S. had a 2-0 lead after the first period, and they've kind of shot themselves in the foot here in the second. They've gotten penalty trouble, given up three goals. Canada currently on another power play here with uh, less than four minutes to play in the second period as U.S. tries to keep this a game. Um, across the league, Monday, a final game before the final day of the schedule before the Christmas break began, saw 91 total goals scored. That set an NHL record for the most goals scored on a Monday. Um, 
somebody who didn't get in on any one of those 91 goal points was or 91 goals was Jack Eichel of the Buffalo Sabres who uh, did not play and ended his 18 game point streak as Eichel does his best to try and carry the Sabres into a playoff spot he's definitely in the Hart Trophy conversation also on Monday night um, speaking of Hart Trophies Nikita Kucherov with the Tampa Bay Lightning picked up his 300th career assist and 500th career point in a 6-1 win over the Panthers. We also had our all-star captains uh, revealed as voted on by the fans on the NHL.com. Connor McDavid will captain the Pacific Division, Nathan McKinnon the Central, Alex Ovechkin the Metro, and David Pasternak the Atlantic Division captain. Uh, Elias Anderson of the New York Rangers has requested a trade. He was the seventh overall draft pick in the 2017 draft. He has one assist in 17 NHL games this year and in 66 career games with the Rangers, just three goals and six assists. He's looking for a fresh start. It's usually the type of player... Stan Bowman likes to jump all over, but I don't think he should be allowed to make any kind of moves here um, until his future is decided. And then we had uh, Cal Clutterbuck of the New York Islanders. We will not see him tomorrow night at the United Center. Uh, He is out indefinitely. He had to undergo surgery after being cut on the left wrist. He was placed on IR, but our old friend Andrew Ladd was recalled from the American Hockey League. He was down in Bridgeport, um, the Sound Tigers, being paid a lot of money to play in the American Hockey League. He's back, and he'll be at the United Center tomorrow night. That's a good segue into our American Hockey League portion of the program. The Ice Hogs and the Wolves had some productive weeks last week. Since we last talked, they both had a pair of games over the weekend, both split their games um started on friday night the ice hogs hosted the texas stars and the ice hogs avenged a seven to six shootout loss to the stars uh last month with a four to two victory over the visiting stars john quinville before getting recalled he picked up he had a big night he had uh picked up his eighth goal of the year started the scoring early in the first period. Brendan Hagel, Jacob Nilsson had the assists on that play. And then he had the primary assist on Philip Kurashev's power play goal at the end of the first period that broke a 1-1 tie. Lucas Carlson uh, had the assist. Carlson then made it a 3-1 three, uh, to game. With his third goal of the season, he made uh, Mackenzie Entwistle made a cross-eyes pass, and he waited for the bank off the boards and then one-timed at home for his third goal of the season. Carlson was making his uh, first game in about two weeks, missed a few games with an upper body injury, had a goal and assist on that. And then uh, the Stars made it 3-2 to two late in the game, but then Hagel iced it with an empty net goal, his ninth goal of the season. Quinville picked up another assist. And this was what Lucas Carlson had to say about his first game in a couple of weeks. Obviously, it's great to be back. Uh, it's not fun to be injured and, you know, watch the game from, from home. Uh, so it, it was great to be back. Carlson is a big part of the Ice Hogs defense. Good two-way defenseman. Good to have him back, especially with guys like Boquist and, and Gilbert up in the NHL and likely not coming back. Uh, Ice Hogs were outshot 27-35. They went one for five on the power play, three for three um, on the PK. Colin Delia, another strong start. He made 33 saves. It was his fourth straight win since he got about two weeks off back in November uh, as he dealt with some early season struggles, but he seems to have got back on the right track. Four straight wins, four games where he's been pretty darn good, more like the Colin Delia we knew from the previous season. That's good to see. And uh, Nathan Nathan Knoll was 
back with the Ice Hogs after spending the entire season with the Indy Fuel in the ECHL. He was recalled. Unfortunately, uh, he was injured, apparent, uh, apparent knee injury. Uh, midway through the second period, did not return. The following night, the Ice Hogs were back in action. They took on the Cleveland Monsters and were defeated 3-2. to two. Well, they've been battling. Um, you know, if anything we take from this game is we just kind of got a little comfortable and, you know, stood on, uh, got back on our feet and heels and just stopped playing there for a short span of the second period and that cost us. So we'll learn something from it and hopefully that doesn't happen again. But, uh, I mean, we've been, we've been playing some real good hockey. That was head coach Derek King. His comments after the game, that clip was courtesy of the Rockford Ice Hogs. Joseph Cremarosa had both goals for the Ice Hogs. He scored 29 seconds into the game with Philip Karashev picking up the assist. And then uh, with the, they gave up three straight goals in the second period to fall down 3-1. to one, And then he struck again about eight minutes in the third period with a power play goal with Philip Holm and Entwistle getting the assist, but they were not were not able to complete the comeback. They were outshot 24-30, to 30, one for five on the power play, two for three on the PK. Kevin Lankinen made 27 saves in the losing effort. Uh, heading into the break, the Ice Hogs are in third place of the Central Division and just one point behind the Iowa Wild for second place. And uh, they will be playing the Iowa Wild this week we'll see them they're 14 points behind first place milwaukee admirals and uh the week ahead the ice hogs and they will be hosting the iowa wild that's a big game that's going to be tomorrow night at the bmo harris bank center in rockford i'll be out there for that game so if you follow me on twitter you'll get all the live updates straight from the press box that's a huge game then uh, they will be taken up north for New Year's. They're going to be a two-game set in Manitoba versus the Moose. They're going to play them Sunday afternoon and then again on New Year's Eve. So that Moose are a team that's uh, kind of bunched up. There's a bunch of teams tied, uh, and they're one of them. So they want to put some space between them and Manitoba. We'll take a look at what the Wolves did over the weekend. The Texas Stars, after playing... In Rockford on Friday, spent the rest of the weekend in Rosemont playing in uh, against the Wolves Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Saturday night, it was the Wolves' two to one victory. They were down one nothing after the first period. They were outplayed the entire game, um, but Brendan Peary. Scored for the third straight game in his seventh since returning to the Wolves. Colasar and Keegan Colasar and Braden Pahal picked up the assists on that play. That tied the game early in the second period. It remained tied at one, and then with just over a minute to play, it was Gage Quinney to the rescue. And the Wolves looking with numbers. Pass behind no! Colasar. Nybert to Juice. Pierre chases it down. Another steer for the Wolves on the front. Quinney a try and tight. He scores! Two cracks at it. Engage. Quinney gives the Wolves their first lead of the night with 74 seconds remaining in regulation. That was highlight was courtesy of the Chicago Wolves and AHL TV. Jason Shaver, the great Jason Shaver on the call. That was Quinney's, Quinney's seventh goal of the year. Peary picked up the lone assist. As I mentioned, they were outplayed for much of that game. 42-27, uh, they were outshot. They were 0 for 1 on the power play, 1 for 2 on the PK. Oscar Dance was fabulous with 41 saves to win his fifth in a row. And then the following day, they wrapped up their pre-Christmas activities with a 3-0 loss to the Texas Stars. Um, and here's what defenseman Jacob Megna had to tell us after the game. Just disappointed, you know, we made a couple mistakes. Um, you know, I thought five on five, we really controlled most of the game. 
especially early on, and then we took some penalties that uh, took us out of our rhythm. Um, you know, a couple of bounce here, a mistake there, and you know, we just uh, that we did a good job trying to generate offense. We just couldn't get anything through. We couldn't get those second and third chances uh, to score a goal. Pretty much sums it up well. Um, the Wolves outshot Texas 32 to 19. They went 0 for 3 on the power play, 5 for 6 on the PK. Garrett Sparks 16 saves on the day. They had a really good start. The Stars were in their uh, third game in as many days, and the Wolves had a jump to it 5 to 5 on 5 on 5 play early in the game, and then they started getting tr penalty trouble. In fact, they gave um, Texas two separate five-on-three power plays in the first period. Um, somehow they only scored one goal on those power plays. Um, the Wolves are currently tied with the San Antonio Rampage and the Manitoba Moose with 30 points. But because of the tiebreakers, they have the tie. They are currently in fourth place, but that's going to change. A lot of guys are going to jump back and forth. This uh, playoff race is pretty tight. Um, and yeah, you can keep up to date on the AHL Central race by following me on Twitter. And uh, I write a recap every week, uh, everything that goes on in the division, a little piece on all eight teams. And those usually come out on Tuesdays, sometimes Wednesdays, but mostly Tuesdays, every once in a while, Monday. Um, but uh, follow me on Twitter, keep up to date. With all that fun stuff going on in the AHL Central, it's going to be a good race down the stretch. Um, the Wolves will be at the Iowa Wild on Saturday night, and then they will return home Sunday afternoon to take on the first place AHL leading Milwaukee Admirals. And then Tuesday, um, New Year's Eve, they will be in Grand Rapids to take on the Griffins. It's always a big game up there for Grand Rapids. So that's our trip around the AHL. We'll take a look at this week in history in the NHL and then talk about our forgotten Blackhawk of the week as we wrap up today's episode. December 26th birthdays. Speaking of the Wolves, Gene Ubriaco is 82 today happy birthday gene he is the director of player ops for the wolves he also played 22 games for the blackhawks during the 1969-70 season i see gene at the wolves games almost pretty much every night he's still very involved with that team um even see him up in milwaukee every once in a while and makes the trips very active still a great guy so happy birthday gene i hope it's a good one <clears throat> On December 26, 1923, Howie Morenz scores his first NHL goal in the Montreal Canadiens' 3-2 loss at the Ottawa Senators. Morenz finishes his first season with 13 goals in 24 games and scored 271 total in his 550 career NHL games. He's among some of the earliest inductees into the Hockey Hall of Fame. In 1976, Johnny Buck scored his 545th NHL goal, moving him past Maurice Richard on the all-time list in the Bruins' 6-3 victory over the old Cleveland Barons. Buck moves in the fourth place behind Gordie Howe, Bobby Hull, and Phil Esposito at the time. In 1993, Mike Gardner becomes the sixth NHL player to score 600 goals in the Rangers' 8-3 victory over the Devils at Madison Square Garden. Goal number 600 comes when he beats Devils goaltender and former Blackhawk Chris Terreri early in the third period, and he heads a start towards 700 goal uh, when he scores again 67, later, 67 seconds later. So... Two goals that night, goals 600 and 601. 1996, Sergei Fedorov scores all five of the Detroit Red Wings goals, the last one coming in overtime in a 5-4 victory over the Washington Capitals. After he scored twice in the third period to tie the game, Fedorov took a pass from 
countryman Vladimir Konstantinov and beat goalie Jim Carey with a wrist shot for the win. The overtime goal makes Fedorov the first player in NHL history to score all the goals for his team in a game when at least five goals were scored. And in 2001, Patrick Waugh of the Colorado Avalanche becomes the first goaltender in NHL history to get 500 wins. He also earned his 59th career shutout in a 31-save effort over the Dallas Stars. December 27th birthdays, former Blackhawk Brian Smolinski is 48. Former Stanley Cup winner with New Jersey, Jay Pandolfo is 45. Brad Brown, another former Blackhawk, will be 44. Fernando Pisani, we remember him briefly. 43, Patrick Sharp turns 38. And Jonathan Marshall of the Vegas Golden Knights will be 29 tomorrow. In 1952, on December 27th, the Detroit Red Wings goaltender Glenn Hall, we've heard of him, plays in his first career NHL game. It ends in a 2-2 tie with the Montreal Canadiens. He did, though, help the Red Wings extend their record undefeated streak to 14 games. In 1979, the Red Wings opened their new home, the Joe Louis Arena, with a game against the St. Louis Blues. A crowd of 19,742 watched the Blues rally for a late 3-2 victory when Brian Sutter's goal... Actually, I'm reading that wrong. My apologies. Brian Sutter's goal at 11.05 in the game was the first in the arena's history. Detroit took a 2-1 lead into the third period but could not hold it. Blair Chapman scored the game winner late in that one. In 1981, Wayne Gretzky reached the 100-point mark in just his 38th game of the season by scoring four goals and assisting on another one in the Oilers' 10-3 victory over the Kings. It's the fastest anyone has ever reached any 100 points, and that mark lasts until he did it again two years later in 34 games. He would finish the night with 400 points in 197 in 197 NHL games. In 1999, Joe Sakic becomes the 56th NHL player to reach 1,000 points when he has an assist in the Avalanche 5-1 win over the Blues. Sakic is the 14th player to reach 1,000 points with the same franchise. And in 2000, Mario Lemieux's NHL comeback is quite the success after 44 months in retirement, during which he is inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame and becomes owner of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Lemieux made his return to the ice. He assisted on Yarmir Yager's goal just 33 seconds <clears throat> into the first sh- his first shift, and he scored a goal and had an assist in the second period and finished with a three-point night in Pittsburgh's 5 nothing win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Three nights later, Lemieux has in a goal and three assists against the Ottawa Senators in his second game. He finishes the season with 76 points, 35 goals, 41 assists in 43 games. December 28th, Terry Sawchuk, the late Terry Sawchuk, be the 90th anniversary of his birthday. Ray Bork will turn 59. Rob Niedemeyer will turn 45, and former Blackhawk, current Oiler, Thomas Yurko, will be 27. Hard to believe he's only 27. Seems like um, I've known for a while. He's, you know, seems like he's older than that. We've heard that name for quite some time. In 1918, George Vesna becomes the first NHL goalie with an assist. One teammate, Newsy Lalonde. That's a hockey name for you. Picks up the puck after a Vesna save, skates the length of the ice, and scores. Came in a Canadian 6-3 win over Toronto. In 1944, Maurice Richard spent his afternoon moving his family from one apartment to another, then showed up to the arena and set a single-game NHL scoring record. An exhausted Richard arrives at the forum for the Montreal Canadiens game against Detroit Red Wings after the all-day move, but he's not too tired to score five goals and assists on three more in a 9-1 win. When the historic nature of Richard's achievement is announced to the crowd, over 13,000 fans erupt into one of the longest and loudest ovation the old forum has ever heard. 
Richard's eight points remain a single-game Canadians record to this very day, although Bert Olmsted tied it with eight points against the Blackhawks in 1954. Toronto Maple Leafs center Daryl Sittler has broke the record with 10 points, six goals, and four assists back in 1976. That record still stands. Speaking of the Canadians, 1965, Jean Beliveau is credited with four assists in the Canadians' 6-2 victory against the Minnesota North Stars to move past Richard in the second place on the NHL's all-time points list. His 967 points are one more than Richard's career total, and he only trailed Gordie Howe at the time. In 1975, the New York Rangers became the first NHL team to play a team from the Soviet Union. The Soviet Red Army team defeats the Rangers 7-3 at Madison Square Garden in the opener of its first Super Series between the Soviet national team and NHL squads. And in 2002, Scott Niedemeyer becomes only the second NHL defenseman with seven regular season overtime goals when he scores in the first minute of OT to help the Devils beat the Washington Capitals. Niedermeyer matches the record held by Brian Leach. December 29th, former NHL tough guy, current player of the Department of Player Safety member, mustache aficionado George Peros turns 40. And December 29th, 1945, Richard scores twice. Of course, we're talking about Maurice Richard again. Scored twice, giving him 100 goals and 145 NHL games in a 5-4 five lo- five, loss to the Blackhawks. It's the fastest 100 goals by any player in NHL history. Ten years later, Richard scores the 500th goal of his career including the Stanley Cup playoffs and a 5-2 victory against the Maple Leafs at the Forum. The goal gives Richard 443 in the regular season and 57 in the playoffs at this point of his career. is also the first game in which NHL officials wear vertically striped uniforms, something that they still do to this very day. In 1957, Lefty Wilson, the assistant trainer of the Detroit Red Wings, is pressed into service after Bruins goaltender Don Simmons is forced to leave because of a dislocated shoulder during the first period and the Bruins had no backup available. Wilson makes 23 saves and allows one goal in a 2-2 tie at the Olympia Stadium. It's the third and final time in his 32 years with the Red Wings that he is forced to play goal and the only time in which he gets a decision. In 1984, Wayne Gretzky scored three goals for his 32nd career NHL hat trick and sets up three more goals in a 6-3 victory over the Red Wings to give him 100 points in 35 games. It's the second fastest to 100 points in NHL history. Of course, we just talked about the first time he did it in 34 games the previous season. 1995, Scotty Bowman coaches in his NHL record 16th, 107th regular season game when the Red Wings defeat the Dallas Stars 2-1. Bowman breaks the record held by Al Arbor. He improves his record to 939 wins, 428 losses, 240 ties. In 1996, Philadelphia's Dale Howarchuk becomes the 10th player in NHL history with 1,400 career points. He reaches the milestone with a goal and an assist in a 4-2 win over the Flames. December 29, 2014, Martin Brodeur makes 16 saves for his 125th and final NHL shutout in the St. Louis Blues 3-0 victory against the Colorado Avalanche at the Scott Trade Center. It's Brodeur's first shutout for an NHL team other than the New Jersey Devils. At 42 years and 237 days old, Brodeur is the fifth oldest goaltender in NHL history to have a shutout. In 2017, Yarmir Yager skates in his 1732nd NHL game, passing Ron Francis for sole possession of third place in the NHL's all-time list. And on that same night, Jeff Glass, 32 years and 40 days, 
of the Blackhawks, becomes the second oldest goalie goalie in the expansion era to win his NHL debut. He makes 42 saves before Patrick Kane's overtime goal gives the Blackhawks a 4-3 win at the Edmonton Oilers. The only goalie older than Glass to win his NHL debut was Rob Zepp of the Philadelphia Flyers, who did it back in 2014. <clears throat> Moving on to December 30th, former Blackhawk defenseman Rob Scuderi will be 41. In 1967, Los Angeles Kings opened their new arena, the Forum, in Inglewood, California. The opening night game comes after they spent the first two and a half months playing their home games at the old L.A. Sports Arena and also the Long Beach Arena. A crowd of 14,366 turn out to see the Kings lose 2 to nothing to the Philadelphia Flyers. In 1981, Wayne Gretzky doesn't just break the records for the fastest 50 goals, he shatters it. Three nights after scoring four goals against the Los Angeles King, Gretzky takes the ice for the Edmonton Oilers against the Philadelphia Flyers with 45 goals in 38 games, putting on track to better the mark of 50 goals in 50 games held by Maurice Richard and Mark Mike Bossy. Gretzky ends up having a game for the ages and scores five goals to reach 50 goals in a 7-5 Oilers victory. 2006, Mart- Martin Berdour, we've already talked about him. He set a record for the most career shutouts with one team when he helps New Jersey Devils beat the New York Islanders 2 to nothing. It's the 86th shutout of his NHL career, all with the Devils. That's one more than Terry Shawchuk's 85 shutouts with the Red Wings. And finally, in 2017, Barry Trotz passes Lindy Ruff for fifth place on the all-time list with 737 NHL coaching wins when the Washington Capitals beat the Devils 5-2. December 31st, former Blackhawk, current Nashville Predator assistant GM Scott Nickel turns 45, Corey Crawford turns 35, and Jerry Mayhew of the Minnesota slash Iowa Wild turns 27. 1975 on December 31st, in what many consider to be one of the greatest games ever played, the Montreal Canadiens and Soviet Red Army team play to a 3-3 tie at the Forum. Goals by Steve Shutt and Levon Lambert give the Canadiens a 2-0 lead after one period. But the Russians come back to actually take a 3-3 lead, or sorry, they tied it at 2, and the Canadians took a 3-1 lead, 3-2 lead, and before giving up the game-tying goal in the third period. Goaltender Vladislav Trechiak survived a 16-shot barrage by the Montreal Canadiens during the third period to earn the tie. Montreal finished the game with a 38-13 advantage in shots on goal, but it ends in a 3-3 tie. 1988, Mario Lemieux becomes the first player to score goals five different ways during the same game at the Civic Arena in Pittsburgh. He scored at even strength on the power play, shorthanded on a penalty shot, and an empty net. Five goals carry the Penguins to an 8-6 win over the Devils. He also had three assists, giving him an eight-point game that evening. What a night. 1997, Dominic Hasek makes 36 saves in the Buffalo Savers' 3-0 win over the Ottawa Senators. It's the 27th of Hasek's career and the 6th in the month of December, making him the first goaltender since George Hainsworth in 1928 to have six shutouts in a single month. And in 2017, William Carlson scores three goals for the first hat trick in the history of the Vegas Golden Knights franchise. He also had an assist for a 4.9 and a 6-3 win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. The victory is the seventh in a row for the Golden Knights, who finished December 11-1-1, the most wins in a calendar month by a team in its first NHL season. And we'll wrap this up to take a look at January 1st. Former Blackhawk Ken Uremchuk will turn 55. Kings forward Jeff Carter will turn 34. Devin Setaguchi turns 33, as will Patrick Hornquist of the Pittsburgh Penguins. 
1961, Boston Bruins rookie Willie O'Ree, the first black player in league history, scores his first goal. He beat Charlie Hodge for what turns out to be the game winner in a 3-2 Boston victory over the Montreal Canadiens. On 1973, Bobby Orr ties an NHL record for defensemen with six assists in the Bruins' 8-2 win over the Vancouver Canucks. Orr ties the record sent by Babe Pratt on January 8, 1944 and matched by Pat Stapleton on March 30, 1969. Phil Esposito scores three goals and Johnny Buck becomes the first player to score 400 goals for the Bruins in that game as well. Of course, January twenty, January 1st, 2008, the NHL played its first ever Winter Classic with the Pittsburgh Penguins beating the Buffalo Sabres 2-1 in a shootout in front of over 71,000 fans at Ralph Wilson Stadium in Buffalo. Um, in 2014, a crowd of 105,491 fans, the largest crowd to ever attend an NHL game, fill up the old big house, Michigan Stadium, to see the Toronto Maple Leafs beat the Detroit Red Wings in a 3-2 in a shootout in the 2014 NHL Winter Classic. Of course, this year we will be seeing the Dallas Stars and the Nashville Predators in the Winter Classic, a game the Blackhawks are very familiar with they've been in it three times they've lost it three times or four times i should say they've they've been in four times um against the red wings capitals the blues last year against boston not then they've only got one they've been in six outdoor games they only have one win that that game at soldier field against the pittsburgh penguins um so We'll move on to our Forgotten Blackhawk of the Week as we wrap up this episode. This is episode 16 of the season, so we'll look at a former number 16. And uh, this guy definitely fits the category of Forgotten Blackhawks. Matt Ellison wore number 16 for 36 career games in a Chicago Blackhawks uniform. Ellison was drafted in the fourth round of the 2002 NHL entry draft he had three goals and 13 points in 36 games for the blackhawks he became um big part of the chicago blackhawks rebuild to success because on december 5th 2005 he was traded to the philadelphia flyers with the blackhawks third round pick in exchange for patrick sharp heard of him and eric maloche Ellison only played seven games for the Philadelphia Flyers where he had one assist. He was traded to the Nashville Predators in June of 2007 for future considerations, never played a game for them at the NHL level, and in 2008 he ended up signing in the KHL where he spent a few seasons playing. Meanwhile, Patrick Sharp ended up scoring 249 goals and 532 points in 749 regular season games for the Blackhawks. And he also had 42 goals and 80 points in 117 Stanley Cup playoff games and was a big part of three Stanley Cup championships. So, yeah, you could say the Blackhawks won that trade a little bit. Um, Matt Ellison, our former Chicago forgotten Blackhawk of the week. And that is going to wrap up this week's episode of the Hawk Takes Podcast. Once again, I really do appreciate you for tuning in. And I hope you've had a very healthy and happy holiday season. We'll be back here next Thursday for you after the new year. Once again, you can find all my hockey coverage over at thehockeywriters.com. I suggest heading over there if you want to get caught up on all things World Junior Championships. We've got a great team covering that tournament this year. You can follow me on Twitter, at Greg Boyson. Like the Facebook page. Send me an email, ggb1979 at gmail.com if you have any comments or questions. I host trivia every Tuesday and Wednesday night. Starting up again in January, January 7th and 8th, Tuesday nights, I'm at the 
Firewater Saloon in Edison Park on the north side. Wednesday nights, I head south to the Edison Park uh, to the Firewater Saloon in Mount Greenwood on 111th Street. Both nights start at 7:30. Prizes for all five rounds. So we hope to see you out at a trivia night one of these weeks. Uh, hopefully, run into you at the rink, either at a Wolves game, a Ice Hogs game, a AAA game while I'm scouting. Maybe even a Blackhawks game. If you spot me, stop and say hello. I always like saying hello to new people, making new friends. So until next week, once again, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch up with you and talk all things Chicago hockey a week from today.